Good morning, I'm Sheila Morris. Our Bible reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house tonight. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The word of the Lord. Good morning. It's a little foggy and you seem a little slow to wake up. Let's try one. Good morning. Okay. Kids are bouncing out of here. We ought to bounce to the Lord too, particularly on Mission Sunday, right? Like today's Sunday where we're supposed to demonstrate the vibrant love of Jesus for the world. So let's, let's vibrant up a little bit as we come, okay? My name is Dean Miller and I am a longtime lover and friend of this church and really delighted to be here this morning. We've not seen each other in a while. Last time I was here was last summer, right on the cusp of August. You've actually, you'd moved back into here after we'd had um, cicada worship for several weeks together, those of you who remember. Um, I'm, I'm, I, do, did anybody find themselves walking around thinking, I don't hear cicadas, it's pretty great. Like I look at my yard and I'm like, this time last year there were cicadas coming up and it was getting loud, right? That was such a crazy time. Um, so I'm delighted to be here. Can you pray with me as we come to look at God's word together? Dear Lord, I again um, thank you so much for the men, women, and children who gather here at this high school every week to, to be reminded of how much you love them and to be on mission to take that love into the world. And we do ask your anointing on the children and teachers who just left the room. And we ask your help and guidance and discipline and instruction and encouragement for those of us who are here as we look at this passage from Luke. Strengthen them. You speak to them through me. May I just be a means of what you want to say to them this morning. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible and can turn to Luke 19, that'd be great. Maybe you have a hard copy Bible or a phone Bible. We just read it, and I bet it's a familiar passage for many, many, many of us. And this morning, we're just going to look at something I've been thinking a bit about this week and, and reflecting on is, again, this idea that how big is God's love for you and me? Just how grand is it? This is a great passage for Mission Sunday because it is what we, when we go in mission, we go to show just how big God's love is for the world, right? So I want you to think for a question how you'd answer a couple questions. Somebody comes to you and says, you know, where in your Bible does it, does it encourage me that I can't go too far from God? That I could, I could never go too far away. What, just think for a second, where might you take them in the Bible to say, well, here's an example 
of how what we would say as Christians, there's nowhere you could go too far. I would take them to Ruth. That's one, probably my favorite book of the Bible. There's so many places in there where you can see God saying, over, even just chapter 1, nine times in chapter 1, it says, return, 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 return. So if somebody came to me and said, I've done something, I'm too far away from God, I'd take them to Ruth. and be like, no, you're not. Maybe somebody picture, answer this question. And again, you can talk about these more amongst yourselves as maybe over lunch or in your small groups or families this week. Someone comes to you and says, is this good news of Jesus? I heard you have Mission Sunday, you're talking about Jesus. Isn't it just for old people or isn't it just for young people? Where would you take them in your Bible to say, actually, it's for the whole spread, men, women, boy, girl, cradle to grave? How would you answer that question? That's what we believe, right? But how would you back it up from your knowledge and interaction with Scripture? I'd probably take them to the, the birth narratives in Luke, where you see a teenage Mary and an old Elizabeth and a long-widowed Anna and an old Simeon. And then maybe somebody comes to you and asks this question, just, just how big are, are the, the arms of this God you serve? How wide? Aren't there people outside that stretch? People outside the embrace? People who on a mission Sunday would just be, ah, oh, just beyond. Because we could probably all think about people that frustrate us or we would like in history or in your classrooms or your neighborhood or your work, you're like, that, that man, that woman, quite frankly. I mean, let's be real. No way. God's big and all, but I mean, that guy's a jerk. So turn with me again to Luke 19. Here is someone seemingly outside the, the big arms of God who's going to be brought right in to this good news. In Luke 19, we are ramping up. Jesus is making a huge turn. The last few chapters have been describing what his kingdom is like. People are following him. People are beginning to sense something's different. There's this real anticipation. There's a wave building that's huge offshore. And you're like, this is something different. This teacher is doing things that remind us of what the prophets used to say about the Messiah. And what John the Baptist said would come. He's telling us things that don't make sense, but they're fantastic. He's inviting children to come to him. Lepers are being healed. He's the rich young rulers of the world that we think are all the, the pious and the right are being confronted about their idolatry, about money. They're not able to give the money away. And in the paragraph right before ours, a blind man sitting by the road of Jericho, Bartimaeus, shouts out, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus turns and heals this blind man. And that's, that's Old Testament intense. The lame are walking and the blind are being healed. Oh my gosh, this is new and different. This is exciting stuff. And as this is happening, Jesus has made a turn to go through Jericho. And after this spot in Jericho, he's going to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, he's going to inaugurate that kingdom because he's going to be crucified. This is his last stop before Jerusalem. Ten chapters of Luke, we've been building to this last stop. Jericho is a big, thriving city. It's a major, bustling trade center. There's even a Herodian palace where Herod comes through and stays at different times of the year. It's only 23 miles away from Jerusalem. So like Gainesville to D.C. In our paragraph, Jesus is walking through the city, right? He's entered through, and as Jesus comes through, 
Wow, we find out in verse 3, there's a crowd around Jesus. All he's doing is walking through. So clearly there's something going on. And we meet someone else. There are really only two major characters in our little paragraph. Jesus and this other guy. The other guy's name is Zacchaeus. Before you came here this morning, how many of you knew something about Zacchaeus? Raise your hand. <laughs> Most of us. Okay, just tell me. What are things you know about Zacchaeus? Hold on, we'll come back to Johnny. What? He's short. He's a tax collector. He's rich. He's a good tree climber. We're going to come back to that. Thank you, David. So he's a tax collector, and actually he's a chief tax collector. So he's over tax collectors. He's unpopular. He's short. As Johnny said, for those of you who know, have you ever heard a song that you heard Zacchaeus was a wee little man? Okay, so he's not a leprechaun. <laughs> I looked yesterday. There's no known author of that song. It's been handed down like Holy Scripture from like 4 B.C. <laughs> and I don't think they called him wee little man then. This is someone that, might, that would feel a little outside of God's arms. He's not someone that anybody has overwhelmingly positive thoughts about. The crowd's not excited to see him. I think it's clear one of the reasons he can't see Jesus is because ain't nobody letting him in. This week I was in the store and I was walking through and I saw a box of peppermint tea on sale. And at Miller headquarters, we drink a lot of peppermint tea. So if I see a box, I almost always buy it. But this is, you know, there's the boxes with the name. Then there's the boxes with the leaves of peppermint. This is the box that has literal peppermint candy on it. And as I reached that, I thought, Nobody doesn't like peppermint. Like, who, who among us would see that box and go, I hate that? Who do you know that would not take a peppermint if you offered it to them? The candy, right? Oh, I'm not even going to point out, Carolyn. <laughs> it's overwhelmingly positive, peppermint. In our house, one of our kids was sucking our peppermint on the way to a Christmas Eve service, almost choked and died. We still buy peppermint. It's not so traumatic we don't eat it. Everybody loves peppermint. Zacchaeus is not peppermint. He's not the guy that everybody's like, oh, let's make sure Zacchaeus gets to see Jesus. Zacchaeus is more like mosquitoes. He's more like brain freezes from a Slurpee. This guy's universal negative response. Because to be a tax collector is to be a jerk. You've betrayed your people to Rome. You've gone in and said, I will give you, Rome would say we need this much taxes, but who's going to, bid for it to get, get that account, that contract. And you might say, Johnny might say, I'll, I'll pay Rome, I'll pay you 6% after taxes to get that account. And Richard Crocker might say, I'll pay you 10%. And then David Honer, because he's sneaky, might say, I'll pay you 15%. <laughs> okay, so that's, this is what's happening. And then, then David would be allowed to set the taxes after that. So you, he might be able to say, like, well, I'm collecting 40% tax because I'm going to pay Rome 15, but then I'm getting 25 and everything's taxed. Poll tax, income tax, duties, the roads are taxed, imports and exports are taxed. Tax collectors are not allowed to worship in the synagogue. Jewish tax collectors are not allowed to worship in a synagogue. And you better believe the chief tax collector is not allowed anywhere near the synagogue. He's a bad man. He's not just misunderstood, one scholar said. 
It's not just misunderstood. He's a genuinely bad man. It's not that the people are closed-minded and judgmental. They despise him because he is a slimy, good-for-nothing thief. And this guy, this wee little man, short, universally regarded in the negative, does something. What does Zacchaeus do? He runs ahead of Jesus because he can't figure out what's going on. Clearly the story, I think, of Bartimaeus has filtered into the story. Bartimaeus is probably in town, walking around, able to see. And then he climbs a tree. A sycamore tree. The Bible's that clear. Isn't that interesting? You'd love to know what Luke, find Luke in heaven and go, why did you make sure we knew a sycamore tree? So interesting. Think about the wealthy people you know or read about. And if they wanted something done for them, think about the people you follow on Instagram or athletes you like or people on the Wall Street, cover the Wall Street Journal tomorrow. Do you think they're climbing a tree? To, are, they, are they that hungry to see somebody? They're going to climb a tree to do it instead of pay somebody to go invite Jesus to come be with them on the side. He's clearly hoping. There's something earnest. So Zacchaeus runs ahead and climbs his tree. And what does Jesus do? Most of us know, because all of us raised our hand. He sees Zacchaeus, he speaks to Zacchaeus, he speaks his name, and he invites himself over Zacchaeus' house. Not just to have a like, coffee, but to have a meal. I must stay at your house today. Not just a, a pop by to shake hands like a politician. He's not, Jesus isn't kissing babies. He's staying the night at Zacchaeus' house. The same guy who's not allowed to go to the synagogue. There's a huge commitment to the community on acceptance and importance and, and Zacchaeus' value to Jesus and to his father because of that. From universal negative regard to the son of David in his home. Jesus isn't just extending mercy to Bartimaeus in Jericho. He's extending mercy to Zacchaeus in Jericho. And what does this do to Zacchaeus? We know, right? Transforms him. He hurries home and receives Jesus joyfully. But when they saw it, what do the people do? They're delighted. They're thrilled. They welcome Zacchaeus in. They hug him. They extend forgiveness to him. They can't believe it. There's a big flash mob. People put on Instagram. It's awesome. When they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Because up till now, Jesus has been with me, and he wasn't with a sinner. But now he's with the sinner. Zacchaeus is so transformed, what does he do again? He says, I will repay, Lord, the goods I've taken for the poor. And he, he's going to repay in a gospel math way. Right, if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. This is more than legally required. If you stole from somebody, you're required to pay twofold. If you took something from somebody in a violent robbery, you're required to pay fourfold. Zacchaeus is so transformed by Jesus, he's going to repay the violent way fourfold. So I, I love this passage. These are some of my favorite ten verses in all the Gospels. And I just want to highlight three things together. I want to talk about Zacchaeus and about Jesus and then about God's arms. Finish where we started. 
So what do we learn from our friend and brother Zacchaeus? He'll be easy to find in heaven, right? Like, who's the, where's the little guy? Zacchaeus shows us what desperation for and without Jesus really looks like. I mean, he climbs a tree. Think about, what would you climb a tree for? If, if there's a parade coming through your neighborhood, who would you want to see so badly you would climb a tree if you couldn't to see that person? Is it like the Nationals win another World Series and they come through town? We live here. You could go see the president inaugurated every four years. Maybe some of us would do that. Would you do it and climb? If you could, the only way you could see it is climb a tree. Maybe a favorite band. Climbing a tree takes work. Think about it. How many of us in the last 12 months have climbed a tree? If you want to apply scripture today, here's my exhortation. On their way home today, pull over, everybody climb a tree. You'd be like, I'm, just, I'm doing what God said to do. I'm climbing a tree. Obeying this character in the Bible. It's awkward. It's sweaty. You're exposed. You might be angry. Limbs are poking you in the head. Zacchaeus is rich but ridiculous in this passage. He's clearly out of options. His idol had not worked. Money had not brought him happiness. Money did not bring him happiness or meaning in life. William Barclay, the Bible scholar, says he's wealthy but not happy. Instead, he's lonely and despised by men. So he's desperate to see Jesus. Climbing that tree is an act of desperation. It's like the woman who's hemorrhaging in Mark 4 and reaching through the crowd to touch Jesus' garment. It's the same sort of faith and desperation. And maybe for some of us this morning, being here is your tree climb. Maybe you're so hungry for Jesus right now, but it's so hard. And the last few years or months or weeks have been so hard that it might not look that way because we're not exposed on a tree like we little Zacchaeus. But you are, you're here saying, Lord, it's all I could do was to get up and come to worship this morning. I'm barely able to sit here because I'm in such hopelessness or pain or desperation. Maybe you couldn't even get up that high in the tree if you were with Zacchaeus. You'd be like, look, you go up high and say, I can only get halfway up. I hope you tell Jesus I'm here too. Or you're just at the bottom of the tree weeping and holding on to the stump, saying, dear Jesus, I'm so desperate, but I, I got to the tree. I'm so desperate for you, Jesus. I came to church or I, I turned the radio off in my car because I'm trying to be alone with my thoughts that I don't want to hear. Or I've made time for you before school or work, but I don't know if you'll speak or encourage me. Zacchaeus, your friend, your brother, would say, take that desperation toward Jesus today. Which brings us to my second thought and reflection, is that Zacchaeus is encouraging us to be desperate enough to go to Jesus. And, but of course, in that desperation, what are we hungering for Dear Jesus, please see me. Because if I climb this tree and you walk on by, I don't know what I'm going to do. What if Jesus had seen Zacchaeus but not spoken to Jesus? What if he'd done the thing like when you you make a turn of the car, cut somebody off in a car and someone drives up next to you and they do that shame shake? 
and it's dry. What if Jesus had done that at the bottom of the tree? Just let Zacchaeus know he really knew who Zacchaeus was. What if he'd seen Zacchaeus and purposely ignored Zacchaeus? But he doesn't do that. And what this simple set of 10 verses, as Jesus is on his way to the cross, does is remind us that Jesus sees the desperate people. Jesus sees him and he knows him. Jesus sees you and he knows you. When you doubt that in your life, come back and cling to these 10 verses and pray, dear Jesus, help me be like Zacchaeus. Because he doesn't just see Zacchaeus, he personalizes, right? Zacchaeus, calls him by name. How wild would that be if you were Zacchaeus? You're up this tree. You probably don't want it. You want to see Jesus, but you probably don't want to be seen by the crowd. You'd like Jesus to see you. But now Jesus calls your name. Put your name in there. Step into this. Text. Sarah, I see you. I'm coming to your house. David, James, Carolyn, Lisa, I'm coming to your house today. First off, we probably all think, oh my gosh, my house is not that clean. I got to go off this tree and get home. If you're Zacchaeus, you probably think, I got to go off this tree and tell my wife this Messiah guy's coming. Wherever you'd be on that dusty day in Jericho, Jesus sees you. He sees and finds those who are despised by the world or us and who think they're despised by his father. And what Jesus is showing us as that his father's arms are a little wider than we thought. Most of us are more sophisticated than Zacchaeus, or perhaps a touch less desperate. But we learned last summer as we did the Sermon on the Mount together so often in those weeks that blessed are those who are in poor in spirit. Here it is again. Blessed are those. Zacchaeus was utterly poor in spirit. Bartimaeus was utterly poor in spirit. And they cried out, Son of David, in their own particular ways. And Jesus had mercy on them. Of course, this is a contrast. Go back and read Luke 18. Just a few verses before, the unnamed rich young ruler, we don't know who that was in history, who could not give up his wealth, who had also run aground on his idol of money and was coming to Jesus saying, how do I inherit the kingdom of heaven? Here's the unnamed guy. And here's Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector. And who gets named by Luke? Our, our short tree-climbing friend. Which brings me back to that first question and my last third reflection, really. How big, how big are God's arms? How big? They're big enough for the desperate. And they're big enough for the outcast. They're big enough for those you and I don't like or who think shouldn't be embraced. They're big enough for those who think the same thing about you that maybe they don't like you or are kind of surprised that you're embraced. The good news of this Jesus in Jericho is big enough for Zacchaeus and it's big enough for you. I really like the kingdom of heaven when it includes me and those I like or who agree with me. I like the kingdom of heaven because it includes Johnny, who's my friend and brother. But there are other people in the world that aren't my friend and brother. And I might occasionally th hope they don't find a tree to climb 
But this Jesus guy's arms are way bigger than mine. And part of a mission Sunday is to say, Lord, we want your arms big enough. We're representatives of a Jesus who sees Zacchaeus in the world. He sees the tax collector. There are no mosquitoes, Jesus. Everybody's peppermint tea to Jesus. Think for a second of your circle of influence. Those people, again, that you might find struggle with God to have universal negative regard for. But maybe they're up a tree desperate, and, and you might be the one that Jesus sends to see them and to know them and to know their name on behalf of Jesus. Because what Jesus is telling Zacchaeus to do and what the people miss, frankly, in this story is he's not just saving Jesus, but he's inviting, or Zacchaeus, he's inviting Zacchaeus to be a part of something grander and more glorious than we could imagine. I'm going to feast with you. There's a reason we feast. You and I have been invited to this, but that, the invite list is way bigger than we'd assume. Jesus in the flesh is showing how big his father's arms really are. They are high, wide and high and long and deep. This again is a community of Zacchaeus and Bartimaeus and little children and lepers. And if you're here visiting or you're here wondering about who this Jesus is, that's the invitation. Come be a part of us. I was Zacchaeus too. And I was Bartimaeus. Come here. There, there's no place too far. There's nobody too distant. There's no way God's arms can't embrace you in this community because we are people transformed by the man who saw Jesus, by the son of David who died on the cross. Here would be a great, you guys do great fellowship events, particularly in the summer. Here's what I think would be a great event for Christ Church being it. You come and you share. Here's the tree I climbed to be seen and seen by Jesus. A sycamore, a eucalyptus, a pine, a palm, Charlie Bound Christmas tree, money, power, sex, popularity, influence. And you welcome the Zacchaeuses in and you party with them. No matter how Zacchaeus voted or made their money or the color of their skin, realize that people will be invited to worship Jesus with Zacchaeus who cheated them. So as, as we move to the rest of worship and step to feast with our brother Zacchaeus, and you come in to take the bread, I encourage you to think this week, that, Lord, here am I, here's the places you'll take me, and would you help me see the people on sycamore trees in my life this week. I bet you'll be around people who hope to be noticed and seen and by, by you as a means of Jesus in some way, shape, or form. We're in a high school. The stress in a high school in Northern Virginia right now is fairly dripping off the walls because it's Ivy AP test days. You could, here, you could pray for people who are high school students to be means of grace. We could pray for the school because the rooms on these hallways will be dripping with kids thinking if they fail this test, their life is over because they grew up here. Let's pray.
Dear God, I thank you as always so much for this passage, for Luke finding Zacchaeus and talking to him and then sharing the story with us. Thank you for the earnestness of Zacchaeus to climb that tree and for Jesus' eyes that scanned and saw, named and invited himself over to his house. On this Sunday especially, this church, which has such a love for Vienna, pray that you would grant them an anointing and a blessing and the energy and keen eyesight to see the Zacchaeuses in their midst. That we would exit thankful that we've been invited to the feast. Thankful even for Zacchaeus, who maybe we didn't want to party with. And going to be party people in the world for you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we respond, uh, we're going to go back into your grace is enough, um, into our first verse here, as we just reflect on God's grace that we've just heard about. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Cheers. 